Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast, the show that brings together Michigan's top cannabis growers, advocates, and business owners to offer a fresh and honest perspective of Michigan's cannabis industry. Stick with us to get the lowdown from the people who have been on the ground floor of cannabis business in Michigan and gain insights into where the industry may be heading. Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast. We did it. Episode 100. <laughs> oh, man. What a... Definitely had a few uh, few moments I didn't think it was going to get done. So um, today we wanted just to uh, celebrate. Uh, you know, we're having uh, tacos and some other good stuff delivered over here at Redemption slash Meds Cafe slash Covert Law. And uh, for today, I wanted uh, the other three guys that have been here the whole time, one way or the other, um, uh, introduce you guys. So we'll start off with Kevin. Kevin, thanks for making it. Yeah, sorry I missed it last week. We had uh, we got kind of caught up in a uh, CRA inspection. Um, we had it at 11 o'clock, dude, and ended up taking four hours. So um, it was nothing that was like an issue. It was just uh, a long inspection. So um, yeah, sorry we didn't make it last week, but uh, glad to be back on the show. Can't miss episode 100. So uh, no. pretty crazy. We've got some cool things to talk about. So I'm looking forward yeah, to it. They said it couldn't be done. Uh, Tom, uh, thanks for being back on too. What, what happened to you last week? Oh, uh, well, let's see. <laughs> the lounge had its opening, uh, public opening at noon on Wednesday, uh, where I proceeded to get exceptionally high with a bunch of people and uh, got kind of lost in the sauce, so to speak. And, uh, you know, I kind of forgot, Ryan. <laughs> well, he's back, back for, for 100. Good yes. yes. No, I wouldn't miss a, this either. For no, sure. That's a, for sure, it's a you got a big you've had a big month so far then. Um, uh, and then Nate on the show yesterday, I mean last week as well, holding it down. Um, wanted to have Nate on again just because um, Nate's been here behind the scenes uh, for every well all 100 shows. He's the only person that's been here for all 100 shows. So <laughs> thanks Nate's for being on, man. Nate. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate it, Ryan. Thank you. It's uh, an amazing feeling to say we did this for a hundred straight weeks there were certainly some weeks that were a little bit more challenging than others but we got there we made it happen and uh big shout out and thank you to all you guys for making it happen yeah no it's awesome i just uh you know we're just going to kind of relive uh some moments and talk about the um what's currently going on and just kind of talk about it but i just wanted to kind of tell the story a little bit as an intro is how the podcast was born and that was uh you know obviously basically two years ago and uh um, Redemption started uh, selling on the regulated market two years ago. So before that, um, you know, I had uh, hired Martin Waymeyer um, as my uh, PR and, and marketing firm, as it was just just me, the only employee of Redemption, and uh, I needed the help. And I knew Josh Hovey, uh, who has, had left Trust Scott Rossman and was the uh, um, you know the the uh, spokesman for Prop One. So I knew Josh well. I watched was watching a lot of. PR firms out there uh, that didn't know cannabis make giant mistakes, most notably since, uh, the old uh, uh, Screen Peak uh, rally at the Capitol to say to downgo the caregivers. That was one of the dumbest PR stunts I've ever seen in my life. Uh, so I went with uh, Martin Waymeyer because I trusted Josh and he knew it. And by chance, got lucky. Nate Darling had just started there, basically. and. Uh, 
Um, you know, uh, I had no idea I was, we were getting Nate. Uh, what a blessing, uh, you know, and sometimes fate, fate uh, intervenes. And, um, you know, Nate and Josh were pushing me to start a podcast. And, and yeah, I was hesitant, you know, who wants to, who wants to, you know, hear me talk or things like that. And then, um, you know, like I started hearing all these, uh, and when the MCMA was getting going in 16 and 17, and I started getting pissed because they started like trying to rewrite the history of Michigan cannabis. So, um, you know, like, oh, uh, we are the marijuana pioneers 2.0, we're the Chrysler and Fords, and they would just make stuff up, about, and it's not the way it went down. So I finally just said, all right, like, we're gonna do this just, if anything, to tell the truth of what really happened and get it recorded. And that's when, when I reached out to Kevin and Tom, and they jumped on, and uh, you know we decided to do this. So it was a lot of prodding by uh, by Nate and uh, and Josh to do it. So I'm I'm thankful, um, you know. And uh, it's turned into something where it's you know, I really appreciate when I'm talking to people or uh, you know I've had when I'm speaking to even some uh, some bud tenders and training. They're like. Oh yeah, like I, I recognize your voice. Like I didn't know it was you. Like we listened to the podcast, and then just all the professional people that we get to run into out there. You know, Kevin and Tom and Nate that uh, that are listening to the show. We never thought you know it would go like this. So it's it's done really, really, really well. I'm really uh, we're all really proud of it. Uh, I was just kind of uh, wanted to relive some of the guests. You know, we've had uh, you know it, it took a lot of politics to get cannabis to where it is. So. Um, some of the politicians we've had on, uh, Jeff Irwin, uh, we've had uh, Yusuf Rabi, Verge Bonero, Graham Filler. We also had Dana Nessel on, and also my Ingham County prosecutor, Carol uh, um, uh, Simon. And uh, it, it's a big deal to have, uh, you know, uh, we, we had the top cop in the state and the top cop in, uh, in Ingham County on our shows talking about marijuana supporting it. So, come a long way. You know, we also had uh, Aaron Smith, the national director of the Cannabis Industry Association. Sarah Gersten, you know, the director of Last Prisoner Project. We've had DMAC, um, you know, Harley Wales, uh, the old uh, uh, mayor up in Kalkaska, who, uh, you know, just been awesome, which we've used to uh, have other municipality leaders listen to that show and, and to talk about, you know, what it's done. Um, you know, Weldon Angelos, who's, uh, in my opinion, doing more, um, he got pardoned uh, by, um, he got clemency from Obama, he got pardoned by Trump, and he's, he's the one doing more for uh, federal cannabis reform and helping people than anyone in the world. So that was, that was cool having him on. But then we have kind of like the, our top guests, of course, uh, Robin Schneider, Jamie Lowell, Rick Thompson. Uh, they've all been on the most with uh, and we've had Andrew Brisbow on uh, now uh, quite a bit too. So a lot of great guests. Um, super, super uh, excited to be able to talk to, to them, but then also all the other industry people. Um, also, this this podcast has kind of spawned two new podcasts, uh, you know, just just uh, as far as people wanting to do them. Uh, actually, kind of even more than that, you know, Fob 1620, uh, which is a veterans uh, podcast. Chad Watch, which we're all big fan, fans of. And then, um, you know, it's cool to see, uh, you know, uh, even MICIA, Ida, uh, Ida doing her own thing. Um, you know, like we talked a lot about that. So a lot of great podcasts going. So with that, um, I might as well just hand it over, uh, hand it over uh, to 
one of you guys that wants to, to start talking about what were your highlights. Why doesn't everyone go around and talk about your highlights of the podcast and, and what you're thinking? I don't mind going first here. Um, you know, there were a ton of really good good ones. You know, having Dana Nessel on the show, I think, was a, a first uh, in the country. Having, um, and we smoked a, weed. And we smoked weed with her, which was even better. You know what I mean? She drank so beer. She drank beer. She, she drank beer, but, but still, we, you know, uh, that, that was a really cool episode. Um, I got to tell you, though, um, <clears throat> for me, being a, a former breeder, and, and I, I want to get back into that at some point, but being a, a guy that really likes different genetics and finding new things and unique things, one of my favorite shows was uh, Prima Clones, you know, having Nate on. Uh, uh, that, that was one of the funnest uh, conversations. Uh, talking about. Yeah, <laughs> you know what, Tom? We're so alike, dude. It just we have we got that th- thought pattern thing, you know. But um, you know, talking about the skunk one uh, search and and uh, just talking about the the history of cannabis, um, you know, back in the day, uh, for me getting the High Times magazine and circling the stuff that I wanted to order, like and and just rehashing that with him, uh, knowing that he's been there too, and 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 uh, to be able to talk about that and 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 connect with other people like that is pretty cool. So. Um, that was probably one of my, my favorite shows, but you know, it's always nice having, uh, the director on the show, you know, to be able to talk to Andrew Brizobo about the current state of the market. And, uh, he seems, you know, pretty much to be an open book, uh, and very accessible for the, for the community, which is, which is really great. You know, obviously we have our complaints about, um, how things operate and we voice those and, and hope that maybe we, we get to get a little bit of change out of it. But, um, those are always good shows. So I guess those would be my, my favorite over the last hundred episodes. Well, mine would ha- have to be my wife, first Ooh. and foremost. Nice. I was going to say that. But then, Kevin, you seriously, you, you nailed all the other ones basically verbatim as far as, you know, as, it, it's really interesting to be able to have, um, you know, in the state of Michigan, we, there's at least at certain levels, there is a communication between, you know, the cannabis industry people and the, you know, our politicians and having, you know, having that discourse, you know, and it's important to, to bring people in and have these conversations. And that's the only way people are going to understand and have change. That's how, that's how we've operated at our facility in Kalkaska. We were the first licensed grow in Kalkaska and uh, first licensed period. And in Northern Michigan, when we were first operating under the MMFLA, uh, they, uh, we used to have a lot of, uh, uh, the, at the at the time that was the BMR, right? Mm-hmm. Or what, what was the the agency at first before they became the MRA then the CRA? Lara. Lara. No, it's through Lara. But anyway, they would have uh, you know a lot of their <laughs> right. Well, they would they'd have their inspectors come to our facility, and even before then, when we were working on licensure, Calcasca uh, had a special license that would allow caregivers to grow and obviously you can do that anyway but it was more of a uh, a safety measure as far as making sure that the police understood as we were building out our facility and we were allowed to use utilize um, space for as a caregiving space and um, that allowed us to to bring in uh, people through the local uh, the local fire department the local police department and, uh, and, and the state police would come in and we gave tours and just to normalize. It was the first time a lot of these people have seen the, the cannabis plant in particular. We're working towards licensure and uh, it's very, 
it, I, we felt it was just to have an honest discourse and open line of communication and just to show people, you know, the power of cannabis, educate them on that. And as we were licensed, the state did the same thing. And having those types of communications and, uh, and conversations really kind of helped galvanize um, understanding and work towards hopefully more sensible um, regulations because there are things that came out it, through the regulations that we all know were very silly and felt they needed to be changed. And we can sit here and we can, you know, bitch about it all we want, but the only way you're going to get them to listen or anyone to understand is by educating them and being an open door. And that's a very odd uh, dichotomy from where we all came yeah. from, right? So wrapping your head around how to do that is, you know, <clears throat> kind of been our biggest challenge through this whole thing, but we're, we definitely want to be that, that kind of bridge to, to bring normalize cannabis yeah, that's awesome, Tom. It's kind of made me think about like all the different stresses along the way we've had for the last, you know, 13 years or whatever. Like, uh, I'll take the stresses now. They're different. But uh, I just even kind of forgot about that. Like, I was like, we really, I remember going up to Kalkaska and I was uh, helping them opt in. And I was in the back of their interrogation room talking to three cops about it, you know, and it was about marijuana. And I felt really strange. So, uh <laughs> It yeah, we've wild. come a long way, man. It's, it's just crazy. Yeah. yeah. Nate, uh, the man behind 100 episodes, uh, what's it been uh, like for you behind the scenes and now, um, you know, um, helping the other po uh, podcasts and even um, uh, being on the show, too? You know, I, I think it's honestly been an amazing um, experience from start to finish there. I never thought we'd get to 100 episodes. I always joke with people. I'm like most podcasts burn out after five episodes because people just simply don't have the time, dedication or planning to sustain it. And the fact that we've been able to get to 100 episodes is pretty amazing. Um, probably my top two favorite episodes would be either the Superior Selections one, um, having their kind of whole team on was really a very cool and different style episode. Um, so that was amazing. I really enjoyed that one. And then doing um, the telethon as well was a pretty amazing um, experience to really uh, unite the cannabis community for one common cause for a night. So I think that was amazing. And that led to a lot of other people. Um, you know, putting yourself out there is never easy. You know, sharing your thoughts is never easy because when you start doing that, you might face people that disagree with you. You might face rejection on some things. So the fact that a lot of people were kind of coming out of the woodwork to say, hey, I want to do this myself. I want to share my thoughts in the world, um, especially with the communities, uh, especially with the veteran community. That was a hugely important one for me. I uh, told people that I had when uh, Jevin Weinberg, when he was on the show, he had told his story and I heard that exact same story from two people who didn't know him, which told me that was that was a huge problem. And so that was another episode that kind of inherently uh, uh, inspired Fob 1620, which has been wonderfully successful so far um, in giving a community that certainly needs a lot of representation, um, a focused voice. Yeah, that's... That's awesome. I was just thinking about Superior Selection. So um, they were one of the few people that, uh, you know, I'll, if someone messages us and wants to be on the show, we, we, we see who it is and, you know, we, you know, like we, we try to do our best. But uh, Allison messaged out and did it, in the, you know, in a great way. And uh, I was definitely interested right away. I'd already heard about their flowers. So that's cool um, how she reached out and, and got on the show. Other people have, too. Um, so kudos uh, to that and, and that success. Um, you know, 
I, uh, another thing I, I, I take, we just talk about the acceptance of what's going on. I've been, you know, I don't know about you guys, but, uh, you know, I've, I've been kicked out and canceled out of like seven banks in the last 13 years. And the last one was like shit, two years ago from Flagstar. And it was just from, um, I have an LLC that uh, sold a marijuana property, sold a property to a marijuana company. And that was it. They kicked me out. And it was, that's all I had done. And the fact that uh, I get to uh, bank with Dart Bank now and, you know, Nicole's been on the show. Um, it, it's headquarters in Mason. I grew up in Dansville, so we didn't have McDonald's, so we had to drive into Mason to go to McDonald's. You know, I, that's where the big city was for me. So, like, it's just so cool that it's there. And then I go and get to go into Dart Bank now and the Dart, see them at the MICIA events and, you know, like to have bankers that are excited to see you and, and uh, you know, and not just treat you normal, but better than normal. That's That's been a cool experience and I know they're all avid uh, there's a group of them that are avid listeners of the show so give it a shout out on that um, but um, you know like uh, one of the things uh, you know I wanted to talk about too is just uh, like where are we at now I mean it's been two years since we started it was a different world back then um, towns were going for four grand 3500 now um, it's getting getting wild out there like really really wild you know we're hitting the point where um, it's mergers and acquisitions. Companies are going under receivership. Um, you know, holding on by a by a thread, and there's a lot of reasons for that and not. But um, for me, I wanted to bring up one thing, and then I'll let the rest of the, the guys take it over. Um, for me, like kind of the biggest. So Michigan has the opportunity. I think we got a great law. We have an opportunity to to you know, this is a global race of how good you're going to be. It's not just Michigan and like you go to Illinois and you know um, Pennsylvania, Florida, all these states, limited licensed states. You know they're growing strains from seven, eight years ago, five years ago, and they're pre-remediating everything. Um, and they're not really competing. They don't do well in Michigan. So we, we've got this ability to get ahead of the world. And um, the thing that, in my mind, is the biggest, uh, the biggest, I guess, threat against that, and it's kind of disgusting, is what's going on with the testing, and that's with uh, with Veritas Labs. We've talked about them on the show, obviously, um, their history with, uh, you know, I've known them since 2014 with the state police crime lab scandal, and what's going on with there and their THC, you know, like they, I think they're up to 60% back of the market, 65% of the flower. You can get, uh, they're hitting THCs of 40, 45% stuff that you're going to test uh, with a regular lab will be 20, with them it'll be 30. So, you know, none of us have ever used them and we won't, um, but we're at a disadvantage because it's a, it, what, what they're creating is a THC driven fake market to where all these new consumers and consumers think that THC is what is important. It's not. Uh, not at all. And a lot of listeners of the show know this. So like it's, we are now like racing for THC and, and paying to play on the testing. And it's kind of, you know, like it's, it's not doing us good. Anytime you're not honest about the cannabis plant and honest about real science, we're, we're going behind. Israel's not doing that. You know, we should be, you know, developing the, the all, all the different strains with ter- the, the best terpenes and different cannabinoids. And that should be the focus it's how we get ahead of the rest of the world. So I think we're doing great. Besides that, um, it's 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 really sad. It's short-sighted, and um, hopefully something gets done about it. So that's my rant. Yeah, Ryan, I just wanted to follow up on that. Um, you know, 
when it comes to booze, I mean, nobody's going and buying, you know, 151 uh, to, to, to sip on. I mean, it's, it, it burns the shit out of your mouth. It's not, potency is not the, the, the answer here. I mean, um, you ever gone to the brewery and had a 12% beer? I mean, it tastes like wine and it's not enjoyable to drink, you know? So I think that, uh, yeah, the consumer is definitely confused. Um, and unfortunately, because of the, the, the drop in market price and the oversaturation of product, um, that I think that um, these dispensary owners feel compelled to have to compete uh, on a financial aspect. And so they're, they feel their hands forced to have to buy subpar product that supposedly tests higher than, than other stuff and, and sell based on the THC, uh, THC thing. And, and, and I'm hoping that um, through education of the consumer, and I know that through your vendor days uh, that you guys have gotten really active in doing that uh, with people like Roy Liskey and some of our uh, partner uh, dispensary owners really taking the time to educate the consumer. Um, you know, hopefully we'll be able to, to pull out of this and, and, and start to focus more on on flavor profiles and overall uh, product quality, because, um, you know, you're right. That is one of the biggest travesties of, of, of our industry right now. Yeah, we also they all kind of circle back around you have the remediation issue <clears throat> which <clears throat> not being able to you know grow a quality product and can and maintain your environment um creating a situation where you have to remediate that also degrade the quality so how are you going to sell your flour well you you use fake numbers you don't use science you know and it's it's a it's a shame and uh, if people can't get past this whole thca driven market uh it's it's not good. That, why do you think they want everything prepackaged now? So you don't see it. You don't get a chance to look at it in the jar. We don't even have that option anymore. You know, it's just uh, so we've come a real long way pretty quickly. It's kind of yeah. scary to think about episode 200. Hopefully yeah, we're saying people yeah. are people had an epiphany and they understand now. But you bring up a good point, Tom, and then uh, uh, you're up next, Nate. Um, but you touched on it, this whole, you know, uh, we can circle back because it's MCMA related. This whole, uh, you know, get rid of bulk. That came out of left field. I don't, I mean, I usually hear about some stuff, but I hadn't even heard that in the Well, in a it's because of the, the Veardus recall. They said, well, mm -hmm. the people that had stuff fail on retest said it was because it was handled the way it was handled. And then it was, you know, stuff was, it was allowed, yeah. aspergillus was allowed to proliferate because of the way it was handled. Once it leaves our facility, there's no way to control that. So in order to, to combat that, they want everything prepackaged, which would be very convenient for products that look like crap. You can't yeah, smell and, it. Yeah, and, and you know, under the guys that were trying to stop all the uh, the backdoor stuff that makes it into stores and grows, which, you know. Yo, you, can, yo, you can't just shove prepackaged stuff in just you, like you can a pound. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't make sense. I disagree with that. Oh, I don't. I know. I'm just saying. But my point of all this is uh, we talked about it. The founders of the MCMA, Green Peak, you know, the, the president, Randy Buckman, he was the chairman. He put it together with Linder. Um, you know, just the strategy that they started off with was just like, I don't know, like how dense you could be. But, you know, we, we just sat around and laughed. Like, why would you do that? Like you get roasted and it just kept on kind of screwing up, screwing up. And then I've, you know, like since then they've got, um, they've got new people. They've got a uh, Byron Fisk uh, PR firm. Um, uh, and it's uh, um, Mr. Fisk uh, is, is now um, heading, the, leading the charge over there too. And he's sophisticated. And then, you know, Shelly Edgerton used to be the head of, uh, of the program and, and she's over there. So they've upped their game and this is what they came out of. This is no doubt came from MCMA and Loom. 
um, instead of just this is more like this is better strategy by them. I don't. I mean, it's I, of course I'm totally against it and see right through it. But I'm just saying the enemy. The in our mind, our enemies are getting are growing up a little bit, getting a little smarter with their strategy. You know, this one came out of nowhere. So hey. You know, we got to stay on our on our uh, on red alert. And uh, I know there's a great Chad watch yesterday with uh, Roy Liskey being on it and articulated it well. Um, it's BS. It's bad for the consumer. Like why? It's, it's it makes no sense. But that's part of the politics. The politics that we got here. You know, the Democrats were all on our side in 18 and, and 19 because we are so involved in the campaigns. Like so involved. And we and you know, but what's happened since then? Because Prop One passed. Is you keep getting these new these new uh, new legislatures they're in, and they don't, uh, and they're in, and they don't even know like what's going on. Like so, it's just a constant now re-educating uh, the, the Democrats. Even they don't. I mean, they, this whole bill that's just getting shoved through by the judges with, you know, where they can you you know basically play, play um, you know doctor from the bench, which is it's just horrible for uh, you know the justice system. It, you know, they think it's all a good thing. Our allies, supposed allies, voted yes on it. So we gotta, we gotta step it up. Uh, Kevin, you got something real quick? Yeah, I just wanted to say there's a second fold to this too. You know, not only are they trying to jam garbage weed into packages and not let the consumer see it and smell it prior to, but this also negatively affects the people that are the social equity applicants, the people that are coming up from the bottom that don't have deep pockets because this is going to force them to prepackage their flour. Now, these big companies have hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, in equipment that package the, uh, the, the flour for them. Now, if I have to sit and package eights, that's 128 eights per pound. You times that by how many pounds? If I don't have a machine, the labor cost alone right there is going to take me out of the competitive market, right? Then the secondary thing is, is that I now have to rely on packaging to be able to get my flour to, to market, right? So that's an additional cost, an additional time expenditure, right? And then also relying more, again, on packaging uh, to, to be there when it needs to be there. Now, um, there are a lot of people that have moved their 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 packaging uh, to the to stateside uh, you know, since COVID because of of the issues getting stuff out of China. But there's still a lot of people that are still getting stuff from China. And we have another one of these instances or Chinese New Year, like it is every year. Um, you know, there's delays on packaging. And, and this is going to ruin uh, small businesses, along with allowing them, like you said, to just jam shitty weed into a package and sell it to the consumer. So I just wanted to make that point as well. Well, not to mention the environmental impact of you using all that pack uh, packaging. 100%. And I think on my end, especially when talking about the MCMA and seeing that on the consumer level, um, a big challenge has been educating individual consumers that when you're supporting some of these bigger companies, you're, you're hurting the industry as a whole when you do this and stuff. So it's like really advocating for the smaller businesses, the stone depots, the local routes of the world and stuff, the smaller people that are trying to do it right. Um, it's a never stop, never ending challenge and stuff. Oh, there's a lot, I joke with people every single day, a new mom tries cannabis, right? And um, people go with what they can see out there in terms of the name. So consistently fighting for the little guy, fighting for the medium sized businesses is gonna be um, a never ending battle to help turn those businesses into the, the Oberons of the world, the founders of the world and stuff. And I'm, I'm hopeful we can continue to try to fight for that. Yeah, I, I think so too. And uh, on another note, um, something that's uh, kind of current state, which which I'm really enjoying, is uh, uh, you know um, 
uh, Tom and, and Kevin have seen this process too, but I remember like early on when I got heavily involved in 09 and 10, like there was just like, you know, the MMA, MMA uh, chat board got put up and that's where everyone was at. And you know, Mike, it was Michael Camorans, Blueberry was on it, being crazy. Jamie Lowell and Rick Thompson were going going at people in 2009. It was, uh, um, you know, and then we ended up like kind of, there was just like a few of us and there maybe like 50 to 100 sane people willing to do that back then and, uh, and get involved and, and get together. And then I remember when I uh, came out of prison and, and, and met all these new people, like people coming out of college deciding to go into marijuana. And, it wasn't regulated yet in, in Michigan, but people were making that jump and all these new people involved, young people, talented people. Um, and then uh, now um, what it's become. So like seeing all these, you know, like people even in the last since the regulated market started out as bud tenders, make a jump to another company. Now they're the, now that the purchasing manager, maybe they're doing a GM, maybe like, the rise and the, uh, you know, and, and Nate's doing a, a, a great, uh, putting together, his putting on a put together group, young professionals, seeing all the young, new talent come into this industry and uh, that then, you know, kind of come up loving cannabis and they, they decided to make it their career, which is, um, it's just like a tidal wave of, 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 uh, of, you know, basically just the normalization of it. So just want to make a point of that. It's, uh, you know, we're talking about two years, but I still am kind of reminiscent of, you know, since 09, kind of the, the, the turn and the fact that we're doing this here. So pretty awesome. Yeah, speaking of young people, I want to give a shout out to our boy Jake Hammond over at your, your office. He's helped me quite a bit. Yep. I've seen him at Fender Days. That's a young talent that's doing a lot of good things, and um, and uh, and he's all about uh, about weed, and uh, and I can appreciate that because that's that's my mantra too. So I just want to give a quick shout out to Jake. Right. Yeah, that's a perfect example. You know, Jake does a lot for Redemption, and he does a lot for Let's Cafe, and uh, before that. Um, Jake, myself, and Josh Covert owned a trim crew together, and uh, he ran it all. So there's a guy that can go do anything, and he wants to be in weed. So, um, hey, shout out to that. It's, it's, it's sweet, especially all the ancillary businesses, too. Could only imagine having the options <clears throat> of, uh, you know, working in the cannabis industry, you know, safely in a manner that, you know, and you can get, you know, benefits and things, you know, like having that as an option now is incredible. You know, we, yeah. had to, we had to hide. <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't. We got jacked. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny when I when I was running the dispensary, um, you know, this is a while back, but I remember, um, you know, some of these younger kids coming in and, and uh, you know, they would make comments about products, you know, about different people's products. And, and, uh, and I always used to kind of joke to myself like, yeah, but you have no idea what it's like to smoke fucking brickweed through a plastic bong with an aluminum fucking yeah. bowl, right? So like go smoke a couple pounds of that and then come back and complain about somebody's product. You know what I mean? But yeah. you know, it's crazy. Like Tom said, the opportunities that present themselves for young people right now and to be able to, to think that you could work in this industry from a young age and, and not have to worry about some of the things that we had to worry about dodging police and things like that. Like, it's got to be a really cool, cool feeling. Um, yeah, it's just it's something really cool to think about. Yeah, career, or an actual career in cannabis, and you can like tell your parents, and they can be proud. You know, that's or not maybe. 
<laughs> no, absolutely. I think that's uh, those are all fantastic points, guys. And I, as you said, you know, like Tom up in Kalkaska providing all those jobs and benefits to an amazing you know staff that changes lives. And I really a big part of the you know Mid Michigan uh, Cannabis Young Professionals group that I've started is it's it provides an opportunity where a lot of young people were sold the idea get a college education, get $80,000 in debt, hope it works out, have fun. And there's a lot of opportunities where it used to be, you know, it seemed like it was get a college education, go into the trades or join the military. In Michigan, at least the cannabis industry has kind of provided a fourth option where you can start a career, get the security of those benefits and then climb up the chain pretty quickly, providing a whole nother, you know, set of opportunities for individuals that would have probably been overlooked for other jobs just from lack of a college degree and given kind of that second chance um, at success to build a career, provide for a family and have that security that's directly benefited from the cannabis industry. Yeah, that's, uh, that is a um, beautiful thing. Um, man, I wanted to kind of with that as we're, we're talking about it, you know, Michigan's got a rich, rich history of cannabis activism and you know, like we've always, going back centuries, have always been kind of like uh, in different instances, like kind of, you know, we're a peninsula, so we're, we do our own thing. We, uh, we, we, we care about Michigan and uh, sometimes the rest of the country, whatever. Like, well, we're, we're cool. We, we don't care what you think. Um, but, you know, like part of that is what I, I love about Michigan market is, is you know, I got a lot of national friends and people come in and I speak to them and they laugh, you know, like they, like people will go into Nevada and you meet with four people in Vegas and you can get into basically all the stores. And then like we've seen people try to come into Michigan, um, thinking that it's just, you know, simple, simple, uh, a simple process. We'll go in and uh, we got, we're famous in uh, Arizona. So we'll sell a lot of products and we got fancy marketing. And then just to come into Michigan and get their clock cleans, we've seen a lot of brands um, from out of state not do well, you know, it's bad partnerships. But my point is, is like, uh, I guess my long-winded point is, is that I'm just really proud of Michigan of all the legacy people that are in the industry, you know, like other states that'll never be that history. They never had the history we did um, to even have legacy people in it, you know, or, or to get the opportunity, but also for us to have a law, you know, that didn't get changed by the MCMA in, in 2018 in lame duck when uh, they were they almost had it done um, after after we passed prop one you know we, we probably would have been out of this thing um, so like you know I would have never been in it I'm a felon they would have they were taking that right out so um, you know just the fact that we have a, a state full of people that I you know that we can talk about and, and, and talk to that have been in the industry and we're doing it before, you know, before it was legal or, or taking chances. And even though it was legal to be a caregiver, that didn't stop a, a lot of cops and prosecutors from, from, from busting you anyway. So, you know, kudos to Michigan. We just got to get this, uh, this beard is testing thing under wraps in, in my mind. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah number ahead, one Tom. no it's okay i agree it's just number one man go ahead kevin no i was just gonna say having having been through um the the licensing and caregiver market out in, in colorado and then doing it here um a lot of the people that are in the marijuana industry a lot of the people that are caregivers or were caregivers in, in michigan for a long time those are rooted people from michigan that have huge networks of people all across michigan when i was in colorado it seemed like everybody from colorado wasn't from colorado 
It's like people had transplanted into Colorado. And when you do that, like I did at, you know, mid age, you know, you're, you're, it's so much harder to develop a network, you know, like, you know, as you, as you go through school, you meet people. And, and then as you work in a community, you, you meet people and, and, and then you have family and brothers and sisters or whatever it might be. And then you build this network. Well, when you move out of state that far away, you don't have a network. So I think that when I was in Colorado, we did not see the, the marijuana cannabis caregiver community bind together like we have here. And I think that that has been something that I'm, I think that we're all really, really proud of is how, like you said, we've been able to stand up to these big corporate movements because um, at first in Colorado, it was, it was you could go get a license, right? But then with all the monopolization through legislation, um, it was impossible for the small guy to stick around. So um, yeah, I agree with you 100%, Ryan. I think that's something that we should be really proud of. And uh, without a doubt, without a doubt, um, I wanted to, uh, you know, another on, on another note, um, just talk a little bit about the current market. You know, we, we we've had different shows, and one of the things about having a hundred episodes, we've we've had shows just on the market. You know, we've had Jake Abraham from Sticky to talk about it, and um, you know, um, multiple other other guys. Uh, um, Crockett was great about the market. It's always good to talk about it. We can go back and look. Yeah, it was 3500 a pound and if you sold to a store you were doing them a huge favor and you know and um there was a lot of growers out there that might have been you know cocky about it um you know it definitely happened and then you know for me watching it early on like i said two years ago i started selling flour um kevin's and and drew's and tom's in in my bags and in the state i was the first person that wasn't the, the second group cookies was first but then the, the second people to do that, that wasn't my own flower. And there's a lot of people, um, a lot of growers, you just see here, I can sell my pound, my weed for 3,500 a pound, it's gone. Why would I need a brand? Why would I need to do this? Why would I need to do this? And you know, I, I remember just sitting back and like, man, is that short-sighted, you know? Um, things are gonna change, this is this is the regular world. And, and now look at us, you know, bulk prices, I mean, you better have relationships and really, really good flower. Like uh, like both you guys do, um, you know, um, or you know, I, I'm just what what that's done, and you know, brands two years later, brands are holding their own. Uh, we have followings with customers, and you know, if you bring a lot to the table and do vendor days, and you know, and and, and make it worth their while, brands are starting to happen in Michigan, uh, which is cool, and some of them are legacy brands too. But just watching the market it go, you know, have we hit the? What do you think, guys? Have we hit the bottom? Um, do we have, uh, you know, more to go? Is it going to hit the bottom, you know, go down a little more and come back up? Um, in my opinion, I think we're pretty close to the bottom. It's, it can't go much lower, but there's still going to be so many people fire sailing and getting desperate and going on business. I guess I would say you'd be walking on a floor, but here and there, there's going to be like um, some holes, some termites that it gives out. And, you know, some people will just drop their pants completely. So... Um, man, quick two years of, of, um, of the market changing to what it has. Yeah, Ryan, I don't, I don't see this necessarily being the bottom. Um, the only reason I say that is because we're seeing more and more growers come on board each and every day. Um, and until that there's something that's changed um, policy-wise um, to limit the plant count in the state, I think that we're going to continue to see these issues. And I say that, you know, uh, tongue in cheek, because I also think that the black market is having an immense effect on our market. So 
um, with those two things, you know, um, there are there are companies that are growing 40, 50, 60, 80,000 plants a year. I mean, uh, I just don't see the need for that big of, 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 of operations. Um, but then again, it's a free market. So I guess people should be able to do what they want. But um, at some point, um, if, if you're going to try to control the market and make it viable for all the operators, you have to do something to make sure it stabilizes. And, and uh, I don't know that we've seen the bottom yet. So we'll see. Certainly haven't seen the bottom if, uh, especially wait for federal legalization. <clears throat> you know, there may be some interstate things that could help ease the supply, oversupply issue in Michigan. But uh, once you go federal, uh, you're going to see things like depends on how they treat the borders with importing. Because there's mm -hmm. countries like Colombia that are growing cannabis, in, you know, in massive out operations. And they have policy that they can export, just anticipating the, the change federally here in another country. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know really if the bottom's probably, who knows, the floor. Yeah, and that's, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, too. And that's this whole thing with, with worrying about THC and not getting as good as we possibly can because... You know, you, you think of Florida and oranges, like we need to be a pure Michigan marijuana, pure Michigan cannabis. Like we want, when the borders to come down, do the do people of the countries want pre-remediated junk or they want the best flour that they can possibly get, uh, you know? So, you know, maybe that is a temporary solve, but in the long run, um, you know, it's great for Michigan and, and their brands. So like us screwing around like we are with this THC bullshit, is just that's why it upsets me because we're not no they're not looking at the long game you're not looking at 10 years from now or 15 years from now when this stuff's really going to matter and uh you know and people are going to pass us if we don't don't fix it yeah we'll see what happens when the green rush kind of settles down though everyone it took it take you know how many years does it take to build out facilities you know a couple years two three mm -hmm. years and then we had covid now we have supply chain issues and uh, so a lot of these grows coming online are now finding out that, you know, the pro formas aren't quite what they had anticipated. And uh, there's, you know, there's no point in having an oversupply in the state. And, you know, being vertically integrated is is, is a good business model, but also overproducing uh, beyond what you can produce for your own stores then doesn't really make much sense. You know, the alcohol industry um, could be a pretty good example uh, and you don't see everyone flocking to open up a brewery all the time. You know, there's there, eventually things do settle out. It happened with craft beer. You know, it'll happen with cannabis, too. Yeah. Well, I think, Tom, that just really shows the value of brands time and time again. I know Ryan and I, we always we always talk about the value of brands. And, you know, I have to hope that Michiganders are going to um find that kind of cult following behind certain brands like it's you know we, we talk about like oh it's over on season right and just because there's a whole you know following around that or something and people aren't just saying where's the highest testing beer that i can buy or where can i buy some you know nice everclear there's real loyalty kind of a culture of oh do they have this brand do they have the the m43 do they you know, people look for it i'm hoping michigan develops into that um where there's a culture of finding the brands you want not just a culture of here's this thing that exists i'll get it in any capacity i can that's part of the genetics you know really like the you know kevin and tom both talked about especially uh tom i mean kevin talked about it more tom was about to um just like seed hunting and, and 
and breeding and, and that whole process, like it's not necessarily going on in, in as much in other states. It is in obviously out west and, and Oklahoma. Uh, that's there's going to be some incredible genetics come out of Oklahoma just because it's so easy to breed down there. So we need to be, you know, like that. That's what that's what we need to do every year. There's a new, you know, what's the new new hot strain? Did it come out of Michigan? You know. Let's uh, let's concentrate more on that. And that's that maybe where you know maybe we'll see some some of our friends in the future uh, leading companies doing that you know and evolving um, you know what, what is, what's it going to look like. Um, one last thing I kind of want to talk about on this, uh, and then I'll let everybody you know say goodbye is um, you know just watching um, from when I came in, uh, you know I, I was doing a lot of consulting and. I had where sometimes I was in meetings with with people that thought I was like kind of one of the uh, the new guys. Uh, I kept my mouth shut and I dressed nice and um, just talked. So maybe they thought I was one of these Chads or Brads. Let's put it that way. And you know we're representing just the way the people um, that are that got into it. That's kind of one of the things that got me so pissed off. Is like a lot of like just uh, you know like the the people that weren't in cannabis like. Um, talking down so much on them, I said I already were like, you know, well, we'll show them how the real business guys do it. I've been, I've been working at this and running this company and I've been doing this and I have formal training, da, 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 da. You know, I heard that so much, but I, you know, I'm just got out of prison. I was used to keeping my mouth shut. I just listened and, and took it all in and, you know, kind of made mental checks of who, who talked like that. And I still don't do business with people because they did, they did talk about us like that. Well, they're not really talking about us like that anymore. Um, you know, there's been a lot of rude awakenings and the people that I see kind of making it and surviving, you got to have the marijuana knowledge and the business acumen. So like the, there's a lot of marijuana people that are struggling or maybe not, uh, you know, like uh, they have too many employees, finances are a mess. They, they don't have that acumen of scaling a company. But then there's a lot of new people that come into this industry that have scaled other companies, been successful but they don't have any marijuana knowledge in their company or they don't listen to it and they struggle too. So really uh, you gotta have both. And if you don't have one or the other, you better have somebody on your team that helps you with it or get good at it. So um, I, 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 that's been pretty fascinating to me, but uh, any, any thoughts on that fellas? Yeah, I mean, dude, if you're walking in right now into this industry and you don't have a network of people, you're, I mean, I don't know what you're going to do, you know, but, um, you know, I find it comical too, Ryan, when I first got back here from Colorado and I started to join in, into some uh, industry associations and I was the uh, on the board of, of one association and I remember feeling very undermined in that association and kind of going with the flow just to, to try to make a change and thought we were going to get something real quick. And and uh, through that process, it's funny that the only person that came out on uh, of those members that were on the board with licenses was my company. And so um, it's it's funny, like you talk about, um, you, you know, seeing these these big players think that um, we were nothing. And now to see where things have come to has, has been quite interesting. I don't feel like I'm some kind of super genius by any state of the imagination uh, in business or in, in growing, but um, I've been very, I feel responsible about my expenditures. I've cut back when I need to. I've remained fluid when I've needed to, and I've relied heavily on my network when I've needed to. So, um, you know, I think that might, makes the difference. Well, we've always been in a fight, you know, and it's just, yeah. it, it just changes slightly. Yeah, and, and the thing is, we've been, for me personally, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think I can. We've been, I've been stripped of any hubris I had. 
So like, I'm just, you know, there isn't that. And to be around a bunch of people in weed, in weed that had it coming in, like, what are you, you know? And like, I've been in a room where like five people were making a combined 400, 500 grand a year. And they were making decisions on stuff and that, that was just like so blatantly wrong that could have gone ask, ask a bud tender down the street, the correct answer. And there's, there's that. So there's just been a lot of big, big mistakes. And uh, like uh, Kevin said, like, you can't do that anymore. Like if you come into Michigan, I don't know why people are coming in unless you already know what you're doing. You are, have run a, a, a good model. Um, you've been successful elsewhere in a tough market. Uh, um, you know, unless you, you know, it's, it's not, it's going to be tough. Uh, it's going to be tough to make money. So, yeah. Um, with that, man, uh, I guess we could probably keep talking all day. Um, we got, uh, some tacos waiting for us over here. So I want to let everybody, uh, wrap up final thoughts. We'll start with Nate. You know, as, as I'll end how we began today, you know, thank you to all of you uh, for making this happen. The dedication every single week um, to making the time for it. nobody. Nobody has a ton of extra time right now. And you guys have truly made a difference. Um, so thank you for everything you're doing. Let's get to 200. Let's keep going. Um, and I hope we can look back and see how we've all grown in many different ways. And, you know, we joke that two years in cannabis feels like 10 years a lot of times. And I know that's how it feels for me. So thank you to everybody. And uh, I hope to keep doing this as long as we can. Thanks, Nate. Thanks for uh, being on the ride with us. Wouldn't happen without you, obviously. Tom. Uh, well, yeah. Gratitude. Gratitude, Kevin. And always stealing my thunder because... You're way more, articulate, I, way more articulate than I. And uh, <laughs> my tangent brain likes to go off sometimes. And I appreciate you ringing it back in and making sure people, uh, you know, understand the things that uh, we've all been through. And we're trying to kind of communicate to, uh, you know, to our listeners. Uh, and Nate, always being there every day, uh, always, you know, being that positive force, reassurance that this is, you know, this is the right thing. Because when Ryan, when you asked me, man, I was like, why would anybody want to? hear what I have to say, especially, you know, so it's a, uh, thank you for including me and Ryan, you know, standing by your side as a friend and associate and, you know, with everything you've laid on the line, you know, I'm proud to stand by your side and move into the future and fight with you. So, you know, I'm just here for you. You guys are awesome. Thank Thanks, Tom. Um, man, I think we've, uh, we should go back and listen to some of the first shows and see, uh, see how we've grown too. But yeah, no, it's, it's been it's been awesome, uh, and then for me too. It's hey, I get to at least have a half hour conversation with you guys every week. You know, like that's not easy to do for us now with anybody. So that that, that that's just part of the fun. Uh, so thank you. I'm looking forward to the future, Kevin. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> I remember when you asked me to be a part of Redemption. Uh, you know, quite a while ago. Um, at our at our old grow, and uh, you know me saying yes and not really understanding what I was getting involved in fully, but knew that I could trust in you, um, you know, to do the right thing, and and that you were you were a good person and, and had the right intentions, right? And then you came to me and asked me about the podcast and kind of similar thing, like what am I getting myself into? And you're like, order this Blue Yeti microphone off Amazon, and you're going to use it next week and get some headphones. And I'm like, okay, well, whatever, you know, like and and to see what it's actually turned into has been absolutely amazing, honestly. You know, I got to thank you. Ryan more than anyone I, although I appreciate Tom and Nate being here every week like like Tom said Nate uh keeping like the the formality to it 
and knowing that we have somebody like on the technical aspect kind of keeping us in line and all that's been great but um but ryan yeah you know putting this all together uh, the amount of people that i've met through uh this platform um you know it was really eye-opening I, I may have mentioned it to you uh when i talked to you on the phone but it was really eye-opening for me to go to the micia uh, uh summer caucus um just recently and it's like I walk into the room now and I feel like I now know more than a majority of the people. You know what I mean? Whereas like in the past, I felt like I didn't know uh, all the people and kind of felt a little bit insecure about being there and uh, fit in. And now it's like I know everybody. And, and I've, I've met so many people from this show. Um, I feel like I know them just for talking for a half hour with them. And then when I see them at the events and, and reconnect and say hi and meet them in person, and it's just, it's all been great, you know? And, and uh, I, I do think that we've made uh, huge strides, you know, um, me alone, uh, the first show, it's like you have anxiety or nervous. You don't know what to say. You don't know what questions to ask. We fumble over hitting the mics and connectivity issues and to have smoothed all that stuff out quite a bit and, and put on a show that people actually listen to. Like you said, I, I, I regularly get people that I'm like, you listen to the show? Like what? I, I didn't, I, I thought there was just a couple of people, you know? And, and I think I, I mentioned to both or all you guys that, um, you know, one day I had a guy stop by, he was an avid listener. He was up in the Lansing area and, uh, he just uh, looked up my address online and stopped by and said hi and just said, Hey, I listen to the show on a regular basis. And I'm a big fan of you guys, you know? It's really kind of cool. So uh, I appreciate uh, Ryan, you putting this all together. Nate, you coming up with the idea. Tom, you being here as much as you can almost every week, like myself, and uh, and and being able to put something together that has you know some purpose is, is really cool. Uh, thank you. Thanks, See? Kevin. See? Yeah, it was good. I know I got to follow him. Um, no, uh, you know, like I uh, what's that? Nothing. Okay. No, I, I, I feel I feel the same way as all you guys. And, you know, just looking back, I mean, there's been hospital emergency runs, extreme hangovers up north. I mean, like technical difficulties with no Internet. I mean, it's been it's been quite a undertaking to, to do the hundred. You know, once you're here, you're here. But looking back on it, like it seems like uh, the odds are stacked against us at times. So really cool like for everybody that that uh that listens you know it, it does it does mean a lot and you know for um for for us to be able to give our opinions and talk about uh what we think about the industry and and talk about the history it's just been incredible the the response so i think everybody that listens um you know we're always open to to great suggestions on, on show guests and um, always take that into effect. So hey, here's here's uh, here's a hundred, and I guess uh, the next big one. I don't know, guys. What is it going to be? 150 or 200, 250? But we're gonna we're gonna keep going. Uh, we're gonna see how long we can do this. Uh, maybe we can maybe we can go a whole decade. So 420. 420 is the big one. There you That's go. That's the number. There you go. All right, you heard it. Good idea. Oh, man. Only podcast with a portal too, by the way. <laughs> All right, so that, thank you, everybody, once again. And uh, that, we'll see everybody next week. The Smoke and Rope Podcast is produced and hosted by me, Ryan Basor, the owner of Redemption Cannabis. Have ideas for episode topics or would like to be a guest on the show? Contact us at ryanb at redemptioncanna.com. Thanks for being along for the journey.